Welcome to Bulls Gold here on Nothing But Net Radio, a part of Dash Radio. I'm Edward Schuler, joined by Salim Sudawala. Salim, how's it going this weekend? It's going well, Ed. Uh, excited that uh, the Bulls bounced back. And yeah, it's Super Super Bowl or Super Sunday. I guess that's what you're supposed to call it. So yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's going well. Yeah, Super Bowl Sunday, the Bulls had a really good uh, bounce back effort against the Orlando Magic in a rare blowout win. We're going to get into that and we're going to get into a quarter season review of the Chicago Bulls season. A lot of good things to talk about and a lot of interesting things to uh, go over and joining us to review the quarter of the season so far for Chicago Bulls, two really knowledgeable Bulls fans, Chris and Lero. Guys, thanks for joining us on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, so definitely, yeah. it's it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a good time, a uh, good conversation. Yeah, absolutely. We got a packed house for this show, and it's gonna be some really good Bulls conversation. So let's just get right into it, and let's talk about where the Bulls stand right now in the Eastern Conference. They're nine and thirteen in eleventh place in the East. We've gone back and forth on the show about whether or not the Bulls will end up actually in that play-in game in the Eastern Conference or whether or not they might actually surpass that and make the playoffs just outright. But the Bulls have been playing relatively well this season, given what we expected coming into it. They've been competitive in a lot of games. The games have been very close. The offenses look really good at a lot of times. And we've seen a lot of versatility from some of these lineups. And of course, we've seen a really big breakout season from Zach Levine, who's been playing like an all-star. So there's a lot of different elements that have contributed so far to the Bulls' success this season. So let me start with you, Chris. What has impressed you the most about what the Bulls have been doing so far through 24 games this season? You know, it's interesting because when we started this season, AK and Eversley basically bet the entire season on the fact that Billy Donovan was a much better coach than Jim Boylan. And I was a little worried because I know Jim Boylan was, was not great, but uh, you know, we, we came back with the same roster basically, except we added Pat and we added Garrett Temple and we let Chris Dunn and Shaq Harrison go. So I thought, okay, defense is going to get a little bit worse. Not sure where the offense is coming from. I'm not sure I really trusted Kobe as a point guard, but we're willing to go along with it. And quarter of the way through the season, man, I'm impressed. Billy Donovan has proven to be a really, really good coach. I think he's been a huge factor. I think Zach, Zach Levine has taken another huge step in his development, which I did not expect, but he has improved his playmaking, he's improved his defense, and he's taken his scoring and efficiency to another level. So I've been really impressed with uh, those two specifically. I think they've been carrying a lot of the bulls. But if you look across across the roster, you've seen improvement from a lot of different people. I think Thad Young really stands out to me as he's probably the best, the Bulls' second best player right now. He's, you know, Stacey King calls him Thadjik Johnson. And <laughs> it's, uh, you know, the last five or six games, it's it's definitely been well-earned. How about yourself, Lara? So, I mean, uh, to go right off of what Chris is saying, I, I totally agree with everything. I mean, like you said, the new additions um, have been, I mean, they've been great. Um, Garrett Temple, um, being mashed up with Thad Young as like the the vets of the of the group, and that um, I think that's huge for this young team that we have. Um, Thad Young, to me, like he has been more than you could ever ask for for this group. Um, he's been like a stabilizing force for these guys, um, especially when you look at you know 
the loss of Wendell Carter, you know, uh, Wendell Carter Jr. That that was a huge loss. Um, if it, you know when it happened, you were, you were thinking to yourself, "Man, that's that's huge." But the emergence of Thad being that guy that can come in and be that playmaker um, has been great for guys like Zach Levine. You know, all the rest of the guys we have on this team, including like Kobe, when he's able to play off ball. I mean, last night we saw what Kobe can be um, off ball. He, he, when you tell that guy to just worry about scoring the ball, he's just out of his mind, you know. Um, so that's what I love, too. Um, this team, it, to me, it, to go along, Ed said it, you know, at the beginning, we don't know if this, these, these guys will be playing. We don't know if they'll be in outright. Um, to me, I, I don't want to be considered an optimist, but I look at the things they've gone through early and, you know, sitting at nine and 13, 11th, you look at the Cavaliers in front of us, the Hornets and the Raptors in that eighth spot. Um, I look at it as like, we have Zach Levine, who's playing at an all-star level. Um, he's in, continuing to improve. Um, you look at Kobe, he's been mostly down more than ups. Um, and I feel like, as we're going on, we're finding, uh, I think Billy as well is starting to prove, prove that Kobe maybe isn't that lead guard guy. You know, uh, maybe it's time to kind of play more Sato at that lead guard position um, and al allowing him to be the playmaker and just allowing Kobe to go back to get that confidence back up to be the scorer that he is. Um, but for me, I, I, I am just very happy in terms of what this team has gone through in terms of injuries, COVID, um, new system, new in terms of offense and defense. To me, I, I can't, I, I, obviously you would want them to be better, but I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, 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 I'm digging where they're at right now. Going forward. Let me ask you uh, sp specifically, Lara, what you see, cause you're a coach and you have a coach's mindset. Uh, what mm -hmm. have you seen from Billy this year? And obviously, could not necessarily just compare it to Boylan how he approaches every game, and also like his post game interviews. What have you seen like tactically that he does sometimes? Like maybe read between the lines, um, and then even like in game adjustments. Well, the the very first thing that I'm noticing from him um, is something that a lot of like my father and the older NBA guys, um, that OB, old, older NBA fans, I should say, um, they don't understand that this is a player's league okay so it's changed coaches and the end all be all the players aren't just you know sitting down you know doing whatever the team needs them to it's it's turning into a player it's i'm sorry it is a player's league so the number one thing you have to have a, a head coach is a player's coach and one of the things that you continue to see in game and also from listening to guys and impressors um after post you know post game and things like that is how Billy communicates with them. And if you if you watch during the games, just how he, uh, you know, he may coach them up on the sideline. You know, also, too, you can see that Thad, especially um, with Zach, I'm pretty sure you saw it uh, at the end of the half yesterday against the Magic, him talking to Zach uh, going into the locker room. He's given these guys more uh, control of the team because he understands that it's a player's player league. These guys have to um, – that's the number one thing a coach has to understand when you're an NBA team. Secondly, 
Um, the drop coverage, you know, that to me is perfect in today's, I shouldn't say perfect, but it's, it's a great idea in terms of NBA defense to me because the big, usually, you know, uh, I shouldn't say casual, but fans that watch basketball, they're used to, you know, if it's pick and roll, you know, you switch, you know, things like that. But the drop coverage to me is perfect because you look at the guards that you have in this league that can come off and they can give you a straight line drive and get to the rim and explode right away. You have guys like a Dame Lillard that can come off that screen, one dribble, pull up right away. So it's, it's perfect because you can keep those, you can kind of funnel, you know, uh, keep those guards in front and allow, and, and allow your big man to be able to protect the rim, but also just keep those guards in front and allow your point of attack um, defenders, which we have, we don't have good options there right now, but um, it allows your point of attack defenders like your Zach's and your Kobe, Kobe White's to get over and try to contest from behind or try to get back in front. So to me in today's game, when you have those elite playmakers, you know, like when we saw with Luca, Luca was coming off, you know, the screen and he was reading the defense right away. So if that corner is dropping too early um, from the, the opposite weak side, he's going to hit that side every single time. You know, so like being able to keep a big right there to make a playmaker have to look, go to a second or third option uh, or even sometimes fourth is huge because it allows your rotations to be able to make those rotations uh, a lot easier. It's easier for your defense to make those rotations when the, the decision by the playmaker isn't so quick, you know, so mm. being able to keep the, uh, the big man there and allow him to also protect the rim and also keep the, the guard in front has been great. Um, also, um, offensively, offensively, when you got a guy like Zach Levine and also Kobe, I, I feel like it's an, it's an hindrance to have an offense where you come down, you pass the ball to the wing, you sit in the corner, you wait for a UCLA screen, you come up. I think with guys like Zach and Kobe, you need freedom. And what he's brought is more flow a more player centric offense where it's kind of like your players are reading what's going on on the floor and allowing them to be basketball players rather than robots. And that's one of the things that I really love about Billy. Cause again, it goes back to what type of coach he is. He's a player's coach and he puts a lot of, uh, I want, I don't want to say pressure because with guys like Zach and Kobe, it's not pressure. It's more like freedom for those guys. It's more freedom to be who they are. Um, and that's what, Billy has done. He has allowed these guys to be who they are and play in their comfortable spots. And that, and that's great from Billy. I'm sorry. I want a little tangent there. <laughs> nah, it's all good. I, I, those were really good thoughts. And we've been talking for a while about how much of a difference just having competent, average, respectable NBA head coaching could make on this roster. And you nailed it. Billy Donovan has made such a difference on this team just from, a communication style and using players in their best positions to succeed because defensively last year we saw so much with the blitz coverage and while you know certain players on his team were able to excel with that like Chris Dunn and Wendell Carter Jr. was executing that very well it didn't really fit a lot of the players on his team I mean especially a player like I mean he's not in the rotation but Luke Cornett I mean God forbid you have Luke Cornett running blitz coverage. And it just felt like they didn't really try to make schemes that fit everyone. They just tried to make something that they thought would be the best just 
to throw it out there. So Billy Donovan has put players in a position for them to sink or swim. He's going to give you going to give it to you on a play and say, hey, if you don't succeed, then, you know, there's not much we can do because this is how you're going to this is how you play well. Like this fits what you do. So you're seeing it with some of the veterans like Thaddeus Young. You're seeing seeing it with Zach Levine. Uh, you've seen it some with Wendell Carter Jr. He's had some ups and downs, but at least playing a more practical playing style, I believe. And even with Lowry Markinen, who uh, we're, we're going to get into much later, but you see Lowry Markinen, he's not just standing in the corner shooting. They're trying to get him on the move more, and they're trying to put him in different positions on the floor to uh, be successful offensively. And he's been playing well on the offensive side of the ball. So it, it's it's been very contagious, and it's been great to see the effect that Billy Donovan has had on this uh, roster so far this season. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Totally. So look, we mentioned that Zach Levine has been playing out of his mind this season, and he's been playing at an all-star level easily. That's not even in question anymore. I think last season there was just some debate of whether or not he was at that level. Well, he's taken another jump now, and he's been averaging, I think, 27, 5, and 5 this season, and he has uh, 50, 40, close to 50, 40, 90 splits this season, which is absolutely insane. And, uh, of course, one of the big topics this season for Bulls fans is what should the team do about Zach Levine? Because he only has two years left on his contract at $19 million apiece. He's still making below what the market suggests he should make. And the Bulls got that uh, contract, of course, from the Sacramento Kings when they matched that offer sheet. So Zach Levine in a few years is going to be in for a big pay raise. So looking at Zach Levine's contract situation and what he's doing this year, Chris, how do you feel about the way the Bulls have handled Zach Levine this season on the court and how he's playing? And what do you think is the best plan of action to proceed with him on this team? Do you think that the Bulls should be looking to sell high? Or do you think that the Bulls finally have a legitimate building block here and a 25-year-old shooting guard who's averaging ridiculous numbers on the offensive end? You know, I think it's impossible to look at Zach Levine's situation without recalling what happened to Jimmy Butler a few years ago. Hmm. Because I think Jimmy Butler was a, a person we had very similar questions about, could he be that guy to build around? And I think he's proven since then that he is. Obviously, he made the finals with, uh, with the Miami Heat. But I think the difference here that we've got, because I don't think Zach Levine is quite the level of Jimmy Butler all around. He is, Zach is a special, special scorer. He's elite. You just described his numbers this year. Those numbers, I don't think people realize how, how incredible that is. It's been done by very, very few people in the league. I mean, we're talking about some of the elite, elite scores in the league that can do, that can put up those numbers at that efficiency. So Zach has definitely proven himself. I think he's absolutely worth a max contract. But as far as what the Bulls front office should do with him, if you look back with Jimmy Butler, when we had Gar and Pax running the show, I don't know about you guys, but I didn't have a lot of confidence in them putting pieces around Butler to, to, to maximize his skill set. Uh, and we obviously saw that when they signed Rondo and Wade after they told us they were going to get younger and more athletic. And, you know, we got to the playoffs, we barely squeaked in, but I, I don't think it was a, a formula for success. As far as Zach's concerned, Zach, a lot of the criticism around Zach, I think revolves around his playmaking and his defense. His playmaking has taken a big jump, as I said earlier in the show. But ultimately, what you really want to do is put Zach off the ball. He needs 
another teammate that can kind of handle the lead playmaking responsibilities. I put out a poll the other day on Twitter and it was really depressing. Like who is, who's been the best teammate that Zach has had on the bulls. And it was like the, the top choices were Nikola Miritich, the, the uh, year he got traded after he got punched, there was like a 15 game stretch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thad, Thad young this year or Otto Porter, right when he first got traded here, when he was on fire. And then the other candidate was like Robin Lopez. So if you look at that list, I mean, that's pretty sad. You see how much responsibility that Zach has had to put on his own shoulders in order to carry this team. And I think the team is much better than their record right now. They've been playing really well. And I think a lot of it has to do with the growth we've seen from Zach. But back to my original point was the front office now, I think we can we can have a lot more confidence in them and their ability to evaluate players. And I think Zach is the type of player that you can absolutely build around um, I think if you need to add other talent, a lot of people are concerned that because he's quote unquote, not the number one guy on a championship team, um, that, that we should just trade any player who doesn't meet that requirement away. I mean, there's like four or five guys in the league that can do that, yes. that can, that can fit that role. So you need to have multiple all-stars. I think Zach has absolutely proven that he can be a top guy on a, on a championship team or a playoff team. And someone's going to pay in the max. That the other thing you have to consider is what's the market look like? You've got a lot of teams right now that are crapped on picks and, and financials. A lot of these contenders that could use Zach don't have the type of assets that we would want back in a trade if we were to do something like that. So, you know, when we look at the market and when we look at the financials of the team and kind of the outlook going forward, I think it's a no-brainer to not only max him, but I think we should do it this offseason. Uh, Ryan Borgia, he's at the Bulls GM on Twitter. He put out kind of the cap sheet uh, just the other day and basically outlined that we can we can raise Zach's current salary to a max and then extend him this offseason. It's going to cost about $14 million in cap space. But if you look at the free agents this offseason, I really think maxing Zach with that $14 million is better money spent than anywhere else he could. And I really think he's earned that commitment from us. Uh, he's just been a joy to watch and he's gotten better every year. He's only 25. I just don't think there's any situation right now that makes more sense than, than giving him the max. Yeah. Yeah. And to Chris's point, uh, I want to point out because he's talking about Zach scoring numbers and when you kind of play around with what he's doing offensively. So when you put in, in machine and say guys historically that have averaged at least 25 points a game, 50% from the field, 40% on behind the arc, 85% at free throw line, and then at least 60% true shooting percentage. Uh, Zach's is blistering. It's like almost 65%, I feel like. But it just gives you an idea. It's like historically, like in the entire uh, like existence of the league, he's one of 10 guys to put up numbers like that as a score. And, and I'll read you the names. It's Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Larry Bird, you know, Kyrie Irving, Kawhi Leonard, and that's it. So like, like seasons, I should say one of 10 seasons to, to guys that have done that. So it it just shows you that's the type of player that you want to keep. And the odds of you getting, like Chris said, the value for him, you can probably end up getting a 10 cents on the dollar. And then how are you going to ever really start building a team that's, you know, competitive and get better. So, yeah, I think you definitely have to probably approach him. If you can get an extension done this offseason, that's probably the best route. It might work out best for both sides because 
if you think about it, granted, you know, Zach probably wants that five-year full extension the season after, but it might make sense for him to also take a four-year extension because he's young enough where it might be more beneficial for him to get into free agency sooner on his next contract uh, as opposed to, you know, extending the full five years and, 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 and putting himself into a, a longer-term contract like that. So, And obviously for the Bulls, it works out better too uh, with the numbers and the cap-wise as well. So 100% agree that I think you need to find a way to keep Zach. And I think a good front office will be able to surround him. And I'm not saying, like I said, not to build around him, but at least build with him and at least hide his deficiencies and where you can at least take really advantage of his strengths. Yeah. Because, I mean, his deficiencies at this point aren't even really that bad. I mean, Zach Levine's never going to be the defensive player of the year, but defensively, like, he's okay. Like, he's not going to kill you, but he's he's okay. Like, he's fine. Like, he's not going to ruin team defense. So, I'm I'm cool with that. And the intangibles that you've really been getting, especially on the offensive end, and what we've been seeing in the offseason are really encouraging. Zach Levine's work ethic just seems crazy good because he works really hard he takes it seriously it seems like the players on the team are following his lead uh a a lot more gradually over the years since he's been a bull and it seems like he's having a really good uh desirable impact in the locker room and it's we we mentioned jimmy butler before and while i i won't say that he is like the same type of uh like personality that jimmy butler is i think it's worth noting that they are both very similar in the type and just working really hard and just having that dog mentality and just having that that right attitude that you want to see in one of your best players so it like like for me right now when we when we enter the season I think we like me and Celine we were both more open to the idea of trading Zach Levine because while he was good like he wasn't like this level yet so if, if a team was willing to make a reasonable offer, we'd say, okay, yeah, like let, let's explore that. The Bulls aren't going to be that good anyway. Like let's just let's just do that. But at this point now, you just have to look at it and say, who are the Bulls going to get better than a 25-year-old shooting guard who's averaging 27-5-5 and five on like Salim already explained how ridiculously good these shooting splits are. Like where are the Bulls going to get that? One of those draft picks, like I've seen people talk about the Knicks draft picks, the Golden State Warriors draft picks. You're praying and hoping that someone, one of those draft picks turns into a player that's doing what Levine is doing and getting better and better each year in his mid-20s, which isn't easy to do. Totally agree. It's funny that I I, I hate to bring up a John Paxson quote, but, uh, you know, hope hope and prayers aren't a strategy, right? I think you said something like that. It's, yeah. it's not a strategy. It's not a plan. So if you're not going to get a play, like where are you going to get a player like Zach? You could, but we just tried that with Jimmy Butler. And I don't know, like, I just feel he's changed my mind. I was, I was probably like Salim and Edward, like you guys uh, at the beginning of the season, I thought, you know, if the right deal comes along for Zach, I think a bunch of teams could use him and, you know, had those assets. But at this point, you know, if you want to start being a a big market franchise, you know Chicago should be should be in the same conversation as the Lakers and the Knicks and the Nets and the Clippers and Miami. We we deserve that, I think, as a franchise. And we've been we've been playing it as a mom and pop shop for so long. 
And if you keep selling off your best talent, free agents aren't going to come, aren't going to come to the, to the city. Mm. So I think you really got to lock it down. You, you got to get a guy who's as young and as talented as Zach. I mean, he's a historically good scorer right now, historically good. And he's gotten better every year. So he's maybe into a believer. I didn't even know if he was going to be worth the 20 million contract. We gave him a few years ago and he's, he's blown my mind. So I'm very happy with him. And the, the team around him has started, started improving as well. So I, I think there's some good things in our future. And I think we've got the infrastructure and coaching changes that we needed, you know, to, to start moving this franchise forward. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with everything about Zach that you guys have been talking about. I just, I just try to like, to put it in perspective, you know, like if you were to put Zach, you know, on like Philly, or if you gave, you know, Dallas, if you gave them, if you gave some of these playoff teams that have been in the playoffs, um, Zach, you know, like, I just can't imagine us giving away something like that. You know, Zach, Zach is, ever since he's been here, he's improved. Every year he's been here, he's improved. He's taken a jump and he's only 25, uh, 25. Yeah. So, um, I'm, I really want to build around Zach and I'm a true believer of like what Brooklyn did, you know, Brooklyn, they didn't have a superstar. They were fighting. They got into the playoffs and they created some noise. And then what do you know? You got two superstars that want to come over there. <clears throat> now I'm not saying that we'll get a Kevin Durant or we'll get a uh, Kyrie Irving, but I, I am of the, I, I do believe that there are players in this league that would want to come play with a guy like Zach, that that you can go alongside and be one of the, one of the players to potentially bring a championship back to a city that was once spoiled by them. So um, I'm all for trying to get Zach to to be a part of the Bulls organization as long as we can going forward. I, I just really feel like the he's continuing to grow and he has a coach that is continuing to push him. You know. Um, I, I I really like having Zach on this team, so that's just where I stand on that. That's a that's a really good point that the Bulls do have to get back to presenting themselves and acting like a big market team because it wasn't that long ago the All Star game was in Chicago and the Bulls had no representation. But yeah. I remember me and Celine were talking about it and we were talking about how. Like, remember the, like, montage or that video presentation they did? Uh, I, I can't remember if it was All-Star Sunday night or it was, it was uh, Saturday night. But it just basically, like, put over the city of Chicago and its basketball history, uh, of course, outside of the Bulls as well. And all of that, like, if you see that, it makes you want to play for the Chicago Bulls, right? Like, it just yeah. makes you want to put on a Bulls uniform, Bulls on your chest, like Jim Boylan would say. It makes you want to do that in a, in a yeah. heartbeat. And that's what we need to get back to doing. And that's why I think what we're seeing this season is, while it's just step one and this is just the first year of what we're seeing from Carnicevers and Eversley, it's very encouraging because the Bulls are playing a style of basketball that's fun to watch, exciting. They have a player in Zach Levine who, if you're a future, uh, if you're a really good player who is thinking about demanding a trade, maybe you look at a team like, Chicago and say, okay, Zach Levine's young, can score. Like, all right, I can see myself two good two man game with me. Like, I I can see that. So I, I I say all that to say this, and uh, I'll, I'll uh, start with you, Lero. 
what do you think about what Chicago is doing right now in terms of the front office, what they're doing to really lift the brand of this team again this season? Like the, the steps are there. Like we, we have a good playing style again, some yep. fun, exciting young players. What do you think about the steps that they're taking so far to make you feel like once again, this team can really be big players, whether it's in the trade market or free agency, can they change that narrative? Uh, I believe that they have taken, like you said, the right steps. Um, I think even before they were hired, I think a lot of players were looking at Chicago like, you know, this is the same organization that wouldn't allow, you know, Michael Jordan to retire with them. This is the same organization that traded away Derrick Rose. This is, you know, so I think the the very first step was to get Pax and Gar out of there, you know, start clean, get some good guys in there and you go in there and, and, and you go into the, the, the management world and you find Mark Eversley and AK and both of those guys that you hear, you hear nothing but great things about them. Eversley has um, great relationships with players around the league um, with Nike. Um, and our, our tourist is like, you know, considered, you know, I, I, I mean, I, um, this is hyperbole, but he's a god in terms of, you know, overseas basketball. You know, they say the guy's been in every gym over there you can think of in terms of scouting talent. Um, so, when it, you know, if you were to ask me, I, I mean, I, I believe they're doing everything they, they need to do. Also, by, by like you said, the change of offense, that was huge. Um, you know, because if you, even if you go back to Kevin Durant when he left OKC, and we took a whole bunch of flack for doing it. One of the biggest things he said was how they played on offense, you know, moving the ball around, having more of a free flowing offense. And I think a lot of big time players love that type of offense where it's not a, you got to score 40 every night. You know, they want that, that free flowing offense where everybody eats and where everybody's winning. Everybody gets that love, you know? Um, and I believe that's, what I think players at some point are going to start believing with this Bulls team. And even if you get Zach in the all-star game, that's huge. And also too, if you are able to get into even the play in game, because now you start to peak interest of other players in terms of, okay, they got into the play in game. If I go there, there's no, we're getting into the playoffs. Mm. I know what I bring to the table and I know what Zach brings to the table. We put that together we're getting into the playoffs who knows you know so that's the biggest thing you want to do you want to you want to try to get interest you know you want to get a player to be like you know if I go over there we're going to do this because I know what I bring to the table you know so I really believe that they're doing everything they they should be doing right now you know so um I'm impressed I I really am because you know dealing with Gar and Pax and what we've dealt with for years you can be a pessim uh, a pessimist a pessimistic person, but um, I'm really optimistic now. So uh, I love everything they're doing, to be honest. So, how about you, Chris? What do you think? Yeah, I'm with Laro. I mean, um, you, you got to present yourself as a legitimate franchise. So if you you have a young star player, you've got a young core that looks like they're improving. You've got a good coach that has a good reputation in the league. You've got executives that have connections like AK and Eversley both do both internationally and here in the United States, you know, and, and if you can make that play in or, or playoff spot and make some noise, I mean, 
who would you rather be? I mean, like we could, we could end up being the Utah jazz for the next five, six years. Like that's not a bad spot to be in, to be kind of in that high playoff caliber team every single year, even though they're not a free agent destination mm-hmm. they're, they're you know, they, they do well every year because of the, the organization and, and what the organization brings to the franchise. Same with like the Denver nuggets. You know, you've got these small time franchises. So we're the Chicago bulls. There's no reason that we shouldn't be able to, um, you know, be back in that conversation uh, or even better. I think, I can't remember who said it the other day on a podcast, but it was, they, they called the Chicago Bulls a sleeping giant as a franchise. And I think we are, and I think we're starting to wake up. It's been a long slumber, unfortunately, since uh, Derek Rose's injury, but I, I think we're on the way there. And the type of players that, that uh, Billy Donovan is maximizing and the way they're doing it, I think is, is only going to attract another star or better or better players to come to come play for us. Laura, let me get back to you as far as uh, coaching eye is concerned. Um, I, I, Pat Williams is uh, becoming a fan favorite, obviously. Now uh, we're seeing he's kind of the new modern four, the versatility he brings at that position, being able to he's more of four, but he can switch over to three and he's good at switching on defense as far as guarding, you know, two guards or point guards and to, on the help side. Yeah. And we're seeing how Billy is bringing him on slowly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we probably want to see more as far as getting him more involved on offense, but I think Billy's taking his, his time and doing it in a certain way. How have you liked that approach? And how would you like to see maybe um, Pat come along as the season goes on? Um, that's a great question. Um, so with, uh, so with Patrick, um, coming out of college, you know, he had, you know, the physical, you know, profile, you know, he, he was, you know, built like an NBA player already at 18 years old. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. He's 19 now. So, uh, but he, you know, he came into the league with everything, that you can want in terms of defense. The biggest question was if, if the shot was going to be consistent, you know, and, you know, being able to knock down that wide open jump shot and consistent form, things like that. But uh, the way Billy has came in, has, has brought him into the league has been actually great because he's number four overall pick, you know, you, you already have, you know, you have the endorsement deals, you have all these other things you got to worry about off the court. And then the pressure, you know, okay, this guy was the number four overall pick. And what Billy has done really well is, is brought him in slowly in terms of, if you put him in the starting lineup, but not ask him to do anything that he isn't good at yet. He asks him to do what he is good at. And I think that's great because as a coach, you want to get a guy on the floor um, and do what he's best at. And the number one thing he was good at was playing defense. So that's how you build confidence for a player. If you continue to ask them to do things that they're good at consistently, and they and they sh- they see that what they do really well already is continuing to to work, the confidence grows. The confidence grows. You know, the the the, the guarding uh, Giannis, the guarding LeBron. You know, th- and and you get those compliments from. Um, LeBron and you know it, your confidence continues to grow and if you look at it Billy's done a great job now the the best thing about it is I, I shouldn't say best thing it's it's been kind of a blessing in disguise and what I mean by that is Lowry goes down so now you got to find 
another 18, 16 to 18 to 20 points from someone. You know, now you've got, was it 20, was it 20 games now that, that Pat, 21 games that Pat has played? Because he missed, one, what, one game? Mm-hmm. Uh, 21 games he's played, and he knows what he's good at. Now we need a little bit more out of you now, Pat. So it's easier now to ask him because he's got games under his belt. He knows what he does well. So he can continue to lean on that. And, and you can tell that's what his thinking is, because if you watch now, he is very quick to, you know, pump fake, get into that paint, try to pull up, uh, pump fake, get into the paint, try to get to his left or right hand. Those are the things that he's very confident at. And honestly, I think he can be successful if he continues to do that. Um, and I think you can't ask for a better job um, from Billy with with Pat. I mean, if you, it's a very small sample size, but if you look at the last two games, I mean, he's averaging 18 points per game with eight and a half rebounds per game in those two games, you know, while Lowry's been out. So, I mean, if we can consistently get those or somewhere around there, to me, that that's successful. And um, uh, again, you can't ask for a better job um, from, from Billy. He's done a great job of kind of nurturing him and um, getting him ready for the fight. And also, again, the, the you can't, to go along with it, you can't, um, you can't really say the amount of like gratitude you got to give to um, Gary Temple and, and, and Thad. Those guys, I, I, I bet you in the locker room, practice, um, flights to the games, the bus rides to the games, they're being great vets to the guy. They're teaching them things. They're watching film with them. Um, so it also is great, too, to have good vets on your team, good guys that you can trust that are going to teach him the right way. They're going to teach him how to be a good pro, what to expect with certain guys, different coverage he's going to see. So Billy's doing a great job, but it also helps to have two guys like that. So that's that's just my piece on it. Yeah, I think that's been a big difference, another big difference between Boylan and Billy. I feel like Billy's letting his vets be vets and and take control out there. He's not He's not like suppressing them. Uh, I felt like Boylan last year, you kind of probably felt that frustration with Thad. Uh, and I think privately he was expressing that frustration that he just felt like, you know, I came here for a reason and I'm not really being allowed to be that guy. Yeah, no, I totally agree. That's that's one of the biggest things you can definitely tell from from. I know we don't want to continue to talk about Boylan, but that's the biggest when I look and I watch the games, that is one of the biggest things I see is the assertiveness of the vets. The the uh, I believe at the end of the first game of uh, the Magic we play, game one, you can see Thad talking to Zach about the last second play. Like maybe I think he was telling me should have veered a little bit uh, more on the cut, or I can't exactly remember what it was, but you could tell that these vets know that Billy is okay with them being basically another coach in their ear. Uh, and that is huge. It's it's so huge. So, yeah, the veteran lineup that the Bulls usually rotate in off the bench that has like Temple and Thad and uh, and Otto when he's healthy. It it makes a big difference. Sadoransky too has been very big with his versatility and his ability to direct an offense off the bench. He's been very solid as well. So that that veteran lineup has really really had a big impact on the Bulls young players, as you mentioned. Now you talked about how Patrick Williams went, he's been at the four of the last couple of games with Lowry marking and out. And we have discussed uh, in, in past shows about 
this newfound versatility that this Bulls team has when they're able to move Patrick Williams to the four sometimes or when when they're able to put that young at the five or when they have that lineup with Porter and Patrick Williams kind of playing interchangeably at the three four it's definitely a different look for the Bulls and definitely some different skill sets than what we're used to and when you have Lowry marketing in the lineup it kind of takes away all of that now that's not to bag on Lowry necessarily because when we look at the stats this season Lowry marketing has been he's been playing well on the offensive side of the ball he's uh shooting 51 I think percent from the field over 40 percent from three about 85 percent from the free throw line and averaging I think 19 points per game but I I guess the big debate right now is and, and I'll start with you on this one Chris Lowry Markin is playing really well, offensively at least, but you can easily make the argument that he doesn't really bring much to the table if he's not making shots because the defense is still kind of whatever, rebounding is still low, there's no versatility because he can't defend so you can't really put him at the five and at the four depending on if a team downsizes he can also be a liability there so I, I guess I say that to say this even if Lowry Markinen is playing well, what does that mean for him going forward? And is that valuable to this team going forward? I mean, obviously I want him to do well. He's, he's a nice guy. I like him a lot. And I think he's, you know, he provides some production on the floor for you offensively. But as you mentioned, Edward, the versatility that this front office has been very open about what they're looking for, right? They're looking for people that can pass, that can dribble, that can shoot, that can play multiple positions, that can defend, that can rebound. You know, there's just they're looking for people with a lot of different skills, like a lot of different things they can provide to the table. And you hear Billy Donovan whenever he talks about, you know, Kobe or Zach, how they need to be affecting the game in other ways when their shot's not falling. I think you can say the same for Lowry. You know, Lowry, the the promise with him is always is always been he's a seven footer that can shoot. But so far in his career, and he's obviously doing much better this year offensively with, with his efficiency, and it's it's great to see. We need to see it continue. But what he needs to do is, number one, diversify his offensive game. You're seven feet tall, man. He doesn't play like he's seven feet tall because when you're seven feet tall, you should be able to shoot easier over people, pass, and, and be able to see and read the defense easier because you've got that height. You should be able to rebound and you should be able to punish people in the post and being able to drive to the basket. And we really haven't seen a whole lot of that consistently from Lowry in his almost, you know, in like three years and a quarter now on the Bulls team. So he had a down year last year, but if you look at what's going on this year, the shot distribution is very, very similar to what it's been his, his whole career. He's mostly taking threes. Most of those threes are open or wide open shots. Um, he doesn't get to the basket a whole lot. He's finishing at a higher rate this year when he does get to the basket, but his he's not getting there a ton. His free throws aren't very high per game, which has been a concern. He's never averaged many assists. He's not really a passer. And as you mentioned defensively, you know, you can play him at the four okay, but he can't really play at the five very, very well. It's very limited in what you can do. What what Billy's done a couple of times when he plays him at the five is he'll put three or four wings on the floor to kind of cover defensively for him. And it's, it's been okay in some stretches, but I think 
long term, you know, Lowry is really the guy that you you have to make a decision on this year because he's going to be a restricted free agent. I think at his current contract, he's definitely valuable to have. He brings some utility to the Bulls offensively, but you know, that's at seven and a half million or whatever it is. You know, based on all the intel we've gotten so far, he's looking at a big payday this summer. He's looking at twenty million dollars a year, and and if you're if you're making twenty million a year, you got to bring more to the table than what he's currently bringing. Even if you're shooting 40% from three, what happens if that shot's not falling? We saw that uh, perfect microcosm in this last week of him going off. He made six threes or more. And then the next game, he made zero threes. And he basically did nothing else for you. And so I think it's been more pronounced as you, as you see Pat at that four spot because Pat now has picked up his shooting and scoring and you look at the rebounds that he's getting as a power forward, they're going up too. And so you can see what Pat's bringing on the offensive end to kind of uh, make up for Lowry's absence. But what you get with Pat on the defensive end is that defensive versatility, that help defense. Uh, he's, he's actually a pretty underrated rim protector and a deterrent at the rim in general. So it's, it's a tough situation for Lowry because you want to see him succeed. And I think a lot of people fear that if the Bulls don't sign him this summer, that he's going to go to the Spurs or somewhere else and, and be, you know, just blossom, which I hate. I hope he does. I hope he blossoms here. But if, if that's not the case, um, he's, he's just got to expand his game and he hasn't really yet. He hasn't really shown that consistency in any other area of his game. So while I'm happy that he's shooting better, you know, he's still got a lot more to go to really be that seven foot threat that we've always talked about him being. Yeah. Lara, what do you think? You, you, before we started recording, it sounded like you had some really good thoughts about Lowry marketing and marketing and what he means to the Bulls this season and beyond. So, what are your what's your take on this? Uh, to go along with that, Lowry is to me such a frustrating player because you look at games where he shoots the six threes, he goes six for twelve, he scores thirty. That's fine when you're knocking down your shots. Uh, but one thing that I like to look at, like obviously uh, Nikola Vucevic has a different skill set, but I look at him, what he did against us, you know, in that game one, when he got to 40, um, he was taking us to the block, going over the top on us, using his size. He wasn't trying to shoot 12 threes. He was trying to get to the lane, get easier shots. And, and what he do, he scored 40. And, and I believe that Laurie has those same skills. I believe he can take smaller guys to closer to the block and go over the top and have some touch on it and, and, and score the ball. Um, I believe he can, you know, again, go off the dribble and, and take his, you know, take his little drag step 12 or 15 footers. You know, I, I've seen him make those. I believe he can do that. But when he starts to settle, and he wants to set those ghost screens and, and pop to the wing. And he wants to play like he's like Chris has said before, like he wants, like he's playing like he's six, five Ben McLemore. He's Daniel house or something like that. He, 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 like, he's not. And I say that because he shoots it and it, you know, his percentages have risen up pretty high because of those couple games, but he's usually what around 35, 36% somewhere around there is three. So it's not like he's, just a knockdown guy you got to worry about, you know? So I would like him to diverse, you know, to really become a diverse player. I, I, when I see Lowry, I see a player that is settling right now. He's settling 
to knock to oh I know I can knock down the three so I'm going to shoot that. Well, I want to I want a player on the floor like Lowry again. Like I, I tell guys in our chat all the time too is like I'm I don't want Lowry to fail. I I just see a guy that's settling um, and he has a better skill set than he's allowing himself to do. Like I like Lowry being the guy that you have to defend the whole floor because you should because Lowry is that skilled. You should have to defend the whole floor. You should have to worry about him going off the dribble and trying to go finish over the top or, you know, catching the ball, facing up and trying to drive baseline doing he, I believe he has those type of skill sets, but he just, he literally is settling in, in my, my, in my opinion. And that's, what's frustrating to me. And then, like I said before, is like, uh, last night was kind of fun because you see what this offense can be when you got to guard everybody mm-hmm. and, and everywhere. When you, when you get sad at that high post, you know, and, and he, in the pocket, I should say, when you get him in that pocket and he's able to turn and face the basket and guys are moving all around the floor, the offense becomes a lot more deadly. When You know, when you look at Lowry, when he's on the floor, guys know he's just going to sit out there on that, that wing and try to shoot the ball. So you you really just have to be close enough to, to recover to get a hand up. You know, now you can't do that. You know, as much as people like to make jokes about Denzel, like <laughs> the guy – he'll take you off the dribble and try to try to get you with that old man YMCA jump hook, uh, hook or the little scoop shot he likes. You have to guard. You have to guard Denzel because he will give you buckets, you know, and I want Lowry to get to a point. I hope it's with us, but I want him to get to a point where he, he has to understand himself that he can give you 20. I, I believe Lowry can be a, a 23, anywhere from 23 to 25 a game score if he really wanted to, but he's settling. And, and that's what's frustrating to me. You know, everybody is, you know, oh, he's giving you 18 and, and six or seven rebounds, whatever. It's like, I, I believe he can give you more. I, not, not rebound category. I, I don't think he's a great rebounder. But I, I think he can be a better scorer than 18 a game. And that's just my opinion. No, so. you're, you're right. Because to me, like, 18 and seven is, it, it's replaceable in, yes. the, in the sense yes. that Lowry is giving it to you. Because he's not... Again, we, we've talked about he's not really giving you any defensive value, n- no value as a passer or a rebounder. It's really just coming from hitting shots. And if you put a player like Patrick Williams there, or if you, you know, you, you put uh, Thad there, you 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 put players in there who just add a little, add more levels to this team, you'll replace that eighteen and seven in a heartbeat. Like yeah. you won't miss it. And that's why I, I think that's why you're seeing the negotiations between the front office and marketing, why they're not offering a whole lot for marketing. Like they're, they're saying, yeah, you're, you're a good player. You could be a, a, a lot better than you are. Like you said, like you could average 23, you could be the Porzingis or Dirk. I don't know, but you're, it's like we in trying to do it in the form that you're doing it right now. It's just simply not that valuable in the NBA no, anymore. It's a different game. Not at all. Yeah, I, I got to agree with with Laro here because if you look and I, I haven't I didn't check in the last two games, but Lowry has taken zero shots this year between ten and nineteen feet, and like he's basically just chilling at the at the three point line or he's inside. But if you watch him, I think he was facing Grant Williams on the Celtics. He was he's six foot six. He had him like three feet from the basket, and he he like turned around and shot a fadeaway instead of. <laughs> instead of bodying them up. Lowry, the problem, I think I kind of agree with Laro that 
Lowry can can do more. He absolutely can do more. But Lowry has always been a play finisher rather than a creator. He's the end of an offense. He's not creating either for himself or his teammates. Every shot he's taking is open. And when he's in the post, he's not bullying people. He's always like taking these little fadeaway shots or he does a little drag step thing as he's, as he's driving in. So I, I really feel like he is, he must, I, I just, he's got a better skill set than he's showing, but he hasn't shown any growth in it over the last few years. And that's really worrying. I know he's really young, but he just hasn't shown that growth. And, and that's why he's kind of got me worried this season. Just time's running out on this team. He's, he's got to show it or else some, I mean, someone's going to offer him big money because they're looking at the numbers yeah. um, that he can post up and that he's seven feet tall. But if you really dig into it, the impact he's having on this team uh, doesn't match the hype yet. Yeah. And we, as you said, like with free agency next year and the class has a, a really quality class has kind of dwindled down with players resigning and Lowry's hitting free agency at a really good time. So he'll definitely get a big offer from somebody. As you said, like they'll see, oh, he's what, 24, 23. I don't know how old he'll, he'll be uh, next year, but he's still really young. He's seven feet tall. He can shoot it. Like, yeah, let's, throw some money at him because we need to do something with this. Like there's not a whole lot of uh, options available. So he'll, he'll get, he'll get interest from someone. So he still has a lot to play for this season. So uh, we're going to wrap on this and we're going to uh, get takes from everybody on this, but uh, what are each of you guys looking to see uh, going forward for the rest of the season? Like what's one specific thing? And we'll start with, uh, we'll start with uh, Lara on this one. What are you, what are you looking for the rest of the season? Um, I'm looking for, um, I would like this team to kind of continue to build, um, continue to get better. And one of the things that I've noticed too, is their turnovers have not been crazy as they were before. Um, I, I like that. That's one of the developments I see again, that goes back to Billy coaching and getting guys to understand, you know, uh, what they have to get better at. Um, and I would like to continue, um, to see Patrick continue to stay aggressive um he he has to kind of uh, going along with what zach said zach just said, said again that he could be a monster some I, I just really i feel like he's starting to understand how big and how strong he is and how explosive he is um at, at this level i just want to see that to continue to continue um i just want to see them continue to uh get better you know continue to keep the the turnovers low um, continue to beat the teams you should beat. Um, uh, Kobe, and this is the last thing I'll say. And Kobe, I, I just, I just want him to find his groove, groove again. Because um, sometimes the last couple of games, I feel like he's, you know, before the thirteen point quarter, I kind of felt like he was out there, kind of moping around, didn't know what he was good at anymore. He was playing with no confidence. He's, he doesn't have the confidence to bring the ball up the floor. He's losing it. He's bobbling it. Um, I just want him to to build that confidence back up and be Kobe White that we do know, you know, the guy that can score the heck out of the rock and and try your best to get better at passing the ball, but do what you do well um, and just continue to build off that. You know, that's that's what I want to see. What about you, Chris? Yeah, I agree. I think the consistency is key. The turnovers have started to come down, even though the wins haven't really followed yet. Um, but as I said in the beginning, I think this team has proven that they're better than their record. I think we've had some tough, you know, late game calls. We've had, you know, that that Thunder loss was was pretty brutal. The Golden State one, the uh, the Portland loss, 
you know, there's been some, some bad ones, but after those first two games, which were basically tire fires for this team against the, uh, the Hawks and against the Pacers, <laughs> the, the Bulls have basically been in almost every game. They've really competed. And I like what Billy Donovan said that competing is the baseline, right? But I think our team wasn't there last year. Our team wasn't there to start the year. So they, I think they've found some consistency in competing all 48 minutes. They got to get better at execution. Uh, they have been doing better. The turnovers have been coming down and I think the balls are moving. So I think what you need to do is capitalize on that in the, at the trade deadline. If you can find a buy low candidate that can help move the ball a little bit better, that can maybe bring some better defense at the point of attack. Um, maybe that can shore up the center position behind, behind uh, Wendell Carter, assuming he gets back, you know, next couple of weeks, it's been pretty rough watching the, uh, you know, Gafford and Felicio show trying to trying to make up for it. So I think if you can find some buy low candidates and I think you need to make a decision on Lowry at the deadline, if you want to keep them or if you don't want to keep them, then you got to find a, you know, a buyer. But I, I love what Larry, uh, what Larry said about Kobe and we can, if we could title the, the second half of the season, you know, how Kobe got his groove back, that would be pretty sweet. <laughs> and I think, I, I think finding, finding someone who can be that playmaker and take that responsibility off Zach and, and Kobe is going to let them shine. Zach and Kobe off the ball with a ball handler on the floor is really, really nasty. Um, I think Sato has, has brought that back. Uh, Arch in, in some short stints has kind of brought that consistency and you can see the dividends, especially last night against the Magic. I thought having Sato on the floor, having Arch on the floor really helped unlock Kobe's game and help Zach kind of focus on, on what he's been the best at so far. So, you know, the more we can find pieces around, around Zach, around Pat, around Wendell, Lowry, to, to maximize their, their efficiency, you're going to keep seeing growth from this team. So I'm excited. I mean, I, I haven't felt this optimistic about the bulls in several seasons. Um, so this is, it's really refreshing and I hope it continues. Yeah. I, I think you make a really good point because when we've seen Kobe white for his rookie year and now uh, his second season, whenever he's allowed to play off the ball and just, hit like hit open shots he does that really well like he's got a really good quick release like he is effective at that he's a really good off guard and i haven't i haven't minded them being able to try the experiment with him as a lead guard to see if he can be a playmaker and while he hasn't done well with that like I, i've still been okay with it because again i i think development is still the most important part of a season but i am glad that we're starting to see them at least give him a bone and give him these games where he can do the things that he really wants to do well while still giving him chances here and there to try and be a playmaker. But at the end of the day, it still seems pretty likely that Kobe's best role is going to be as an off guard who can come in and pick his spots every now and then while not necessarily being the guy who is starting and initiating an offense. So for me, that ties into what I want to see from the Bulls the rest of the season. I want to see if they go all in on this versatile style of play. I, I think they are in, but I want to see if they can go all in by maybe acquiring someone uh, before the trade deadline. And we talked about uh, Lonzo Ball on past shows, and Ball seems to be really a seamless fit for this roster because 
not only is he an improved shooter and a, a pretty quality defender uh, still, he he moves the ball really well and he can create for others and he can play multiple positions. So if you were able to, I, I think on the last show we were talking about a theoretical trade of marketing for ball, I'm not sure if New Orleans would even do that. But if you could get Lonzo Ball while not really giving up anyone outside of Markinen, I think that gives this Bulls team really an all-in sense on the type of style that Arturis Karnishevis and Eversley want to do with this team. It's versatile, a lot of two-way players, players that can move the ball, that can give you different things and aren't necessarily squarely dependent on hitting shots. And Lonzo can come in and he can either start with uh, Levine in the backcourt. You could possibly... Uh, move Kobe to the bench, and you could probably uh, slide uh, Patrick Williams to the four. Maybe someone at the three, you could probably, if if Otto's healthy, I don't know, or possibly Denzel, I'm not sure, but I still feel really good about a backcourt of Lonzo and Levine and moving Patrick Williams to the four, where I think ultimately that's going to be his success. And if you add Wendell Carter Jr. back to that mix at the starting center position, all of a sudden, I think you have a really good mix of skill sets. So, for me, I'm looking to see if the Bulls can really, really go all in on what they're doing with all this versatility and get someone else at the trade deadline who can up that even more. Uh, Celine, what do you what do you think? Uh, what is something you're looking forward to the rest of the season? Yeah, just continue his growth for Pat. See what he can do as far as gets as he gets more responsibilities. I think maybe that something we're starting to see, especially with. Lowry out the last couple of games. Um, I don't think Lowry's going to be out much longer, but still, I think you're going to get to see Pat kind of get into his own and get a little more aggressive there. Uh, yeah, Kobe, I think maybe it's time to just, you know, give up on the point guard play uh, as a lead initiator, if you will, and get him off the ball again so he can kind of get his confidence back, his groove back, like Chris said. And yeah, and, and, and really echoing everything you guys are saying and Lonzo ball. Yeah. That was my thought. I, I, I need, I'm, I'm really in that and kind of getting to a point where I'll be disappointed if we don't get <laughs> Lonzo at now, uh, you know, he, he'd be perfect. I think if you can get him at point guard, the little intangible things that he does, you, you watch what our weakness is at is that the point of attack on the pick and roll defense Lonzo is great at that. You watch the clips that he does the little things, uh, that don't stick out on a box score that he is capable of doing and affecting on the defensive end. So I think he would be a perfect fit, like he's a next to Zach. Um, I think his shooting woes are are overrated uh, to an extent because I think he is a good catch and shoot uh, catch and shoot guy. Uh, and I think you're kind of seeing his percentages get back t- uh, to normal because he's he's starting to you know do more of those shots. I think we talked about last week when we had Lyle on. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of his issues were because his role had changed this season on offense. He wasn't doing the same things. He wasn't getting to really play make, and a lot of the threes that he was taking weren't really catch and shoot. They were like off the dribble threes that kind of step back threes and things like that. That's not really part of his game. So I mean, yeah, get Lonzo, get more versatile. You know, if you move Pat at four. Maybe um, Val, I don't know, Val, or uh, if Otto can stay healthy at the three. And then you have, uh, like I said, Alonzo 
uh, starting next to Zach. And then, you know, that Kobe can, you know, kind of handle the second unit as far as the scorer off the bench. I think that would be a really fun lineup where I think that the Bulls can maybe make a playoff run. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'd be really excited for Alonzo Ball acquisition at this point as well. So hopefully uh, it, it seems to make sense and hopefully it, it will happen. Uh, Larry and Chris, it's been great talking to you guys. This was a blast reviewing the quarter of the season for the Chicago Bulls. If you can let our listeners know where they can find you on social media so they can give you a follow. Well, I guess I'll be the first since uh, Larry's not jumping in here, but <laughs> you can <laughs> But you can find me at, at KLA Hoops uh, on Twitter, Chris Amundsen. Um, and uh, and Laro and I are actually starting a podcast uh, in the next couple of weeks here called the Bulls 101 Podcast, where we try and give you a little bit more in-depth, uh, you know, coaching strategies, statistics, and, and you know, uh, a little bit more of the analytical side of, of the way the Bulls are playing this year and, and uh, some things we're looking at around the league. So, you know, here plugging my own stuff here, but um, you know, if you guys want to follow us, please do so either through the podcast or individually. And we'd love you know participation and any suggestions on that. And thanks, uh, Edward and Celine, for having us on. Love listening to you guys. You guys bring a unique perspective to the Bulls, and uh, you know, you both have these beautiful voices that are just nice to listen to in the car on my way to work. <laughs> so appreciate you guys having us on, and and. Uh, you know, go Bulls, let's go. Yeah, man. It, it, I, again, to piggyback off of what Chris has said, man, this has been a great opportunity for me and I'm sure as well for Chris, like to be able to talk with you guys and, and you know, bounce our ideas off each other about the Bulls. It's been, it's been great. Um, and if you do want to follow me, it's Larry G um, underscore hoops uh, on Twitter if you want to follow me. Um, but yeah, again, uh, it's, it's been great, and I appreciate you guys having us on here, man. It, it was really fun to talk with you guys. Yeah, thank you so much, man. Really a blast talking to you guys. Always glad to just chop it up with our Bulls fans, and it's it's even better this time around because there are actually things to be optimistic about instead of last season where it felt like every other week it was just sometimes you didn't even want to talk about the Bulls given what was happening. So it, it's great to actually have an encouraging uh, view about the present and the future right now. So yeah, it's been really great talking to you guys. Uh, Ed, so, Edward, are you saying the Bulls are back? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It, we're, we're close. See Red Ed? See Red Celine? Oh, Let's man. go, baby. We're, <laughs> we're, we're getting there, man. We're getting there. It's uh, it, it's it's going to be an interesting road ahead. Yeah, yeah, no doubt for sure, for sure. Uh, Salim, any final thoughts before we wrap up? Yeah, man. Just like I said, every week I feel like we're we're happier with this team. Uh, obviously, we're not like crazy as far as thinking this team is, you know, like one step away from you know competing for a championship or anything like that. But I think we're seeing growth. Uh, we're seeing you know surprises like Zach coming in this season that he's played at a, at a level that. You know, not a lot of us thought that he could really get to as a scorer. Um, obviously, Billy being like the stark difference between Billy and, and and Jim has been really nice to see. We're seeing a lot of the veterans really play to their capabilities. So, yeah, it's, it's a nice, you know, foundation forming. And I think 
uh, AK has, you know, his work cut out a little bit where he needs to kind of mold this roster uh, going forward. But I think, you know, we're in capable hands and we're seeing good things. So yeah, I'm excited. And, and again, thanks uh, for Lara and Chris for coming on. It's always it a pleasure talking to them because I normally talk to them, you know, through text and stuff like that, but it's nice to, you know, have them uh, on and, and, and talk hoops like that as well. Yeah, no doubt. Give Lara and Chris a follow on Twitter and uh, check out their podcast when they drop an episode. So uh, that wraps up today's Bulls Gold. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Bulls Gold and cast, or catch any past shows on Spotify, on iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, you can catch us right here on Nothing But Net Radio, part of Dash Radio, every Tuesday morning, 9, 8 Central. And we will catch you next time, Bulls fans. <laughs> <laughs>